It's time to explore the unexplained, to delve into the mysteries of our world and the realms beyond, to seek out the answers to phenomena that defy conventional explanation. Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G, where that journey begins. Hello, everyone. We are back. This is Paranormal Nerd Radio in the Dark with your hosts, Karen Frazier and me, Chucky G. Hello, ladies. I missed you guys last week. Yeah, I feel, I feel, I have to tell you, though, I feel like what you said was, hello, everyone. It, it almost seems Did it a sound little, British? It, a little. All right. Yes. Yeah, cool. Well, it's not wrong with that. That's cool. I like that. No, I, I just was all of a sudden, I was like, holy crap, is Chuck British? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just got one off there for you me. So should be. I hear I hear all sorts of crazy stuff happen with you guys uh, within the week that I haven't been around. So oh, it's so good we didn't share. have the show last week. Yeah, it is so good we didn't have the show last Why? week because Why are you saying um we're I it, we're we're gonna have to make allowances for me even this week because I am recovering <laughs> from a concussion. <laughs> so Karen's been doing some you know. On the side, she's been doing Getting little stunt, act, in the head. A little stunt <laughs> action stuff for the movies and stuff, you know. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, uh, I got conked on the head Tuesday night, and um, really, today is the first day where I feel mostly in control of my faculties again. But what I was telling you before the show is that a lot of times, what I'm discovering is, although I'm thinking really clearly now. What I think isn't necessarily coming out my mouth, so there's still a little disconnect there. I my last concussion was when I was 20, mm-hmm. and um, I recovered much quicker from that than the concussion at the age of 50. <laughs> Go figure. I know we were talking about that. So if I see you kind of get a little glassy eye, just keep yeah, going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so what was funny is, so we were test driving um, a car for my son, and uh, it was my nephew's car, and. Um, my nephew conked me in the head with the car door, and I told Tanner, it's just like christening a boat with a <laughs> bottle of champagne, but we used my head and my blood. They christened it. Oh, how sweet. That's. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't get any closer than that as far as family's concerned. I mean, come well, on. Little... just family, Ooh, right? There you go. So, That's Cheryl, it. can you top that one, getting conked in the head? Oh, man. I don't think I can top that. <laughs> no, I, I can't. I can't. I'm Karen. Gosh, I hope you're feeling better. It would be bad. Uh, again, I, I feel like I'm in at least control of my faculties now, but it's just there's just this little and there's like a few things like if I have I noticed if I have too much going on at once, mm-hmm. I have to really focus on one thing at a time right now. I'm I'm not great at multitasking right now. <laughs> well, yeah, it'd be worse. It'd be bad if you said, yes, I can't top a Chuck. I had a machete and I lopped off my hand. That would be really I bad. cut in half real bad. <laughs> be like, oh. whoa, I'm so sorry I brought that up. So that's good. I have nothing to, I have nothing to add to that. No, uh, but you have a birthday coming up on Monday, and Cheryl, your anniversary's on Sunday. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, here's the thing. Have. I want to say happy birthday to my son who turned 22 today. Oh, happy birthday! Yay, happy birthday, Corey. <laughs> um, he's in California, far, far away from me, so I'm sad. But you know, that's yeah, Tanner um, isn't here for his birthday either. Yeah, so you know. And you know, then, you, raise, you raise them right and they break your heart anyway. I, I know, how dare they? <laughs> guess guess whose one year anniversary is on Sunday? Yours and Chad. Your. Chad. Yes, yes, I, 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 I hope he's planning something big for you. Yeah. We have plans. We have plans to head on over to Red Lobster and eat at our favorite restaurant. Red Lobster? <laughs> 
Hello, yes, Robo and by, by the way, I forgot. I did have one thing exciting, although, although you know, I can't top the pain that Karen went through. But um, it was a nice event, actually. My mother-in-law came last week to visit. And it was the first time that I got to meet her. So it was a lovely time. Oh, wow. That's not nerve-wracking or anything. I was a little nervous. <laughs> it, it went well, though. It went really good. Very, I mean, yes, it guys was, went very clicked. well. We did some fun things over the few days that she was here. And it was awesome. Groovy. Also, over the, uh, the week off, my cat has become a murderer. <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. Nancy, yeah. I know. Well, and now she doesn't like me. So, because she was, I caught her with a bunny and the bunny was still alive and screaming, which please, I hope you never have to hear a bunny scream. That's all I can say. And I made her drop the bunny and I, I'm pretty sure I'm next. Because <laughs> the bunny got away. Yeah. But <laughs> that was after finding uh, an eviscerated bunny that morning. Oh. So, and Kitty cannot hunt. She is a terrible hunter. So we suspect that there's like a warren with babies and they're just sitting ducks in there because there's oh. no way she's actually catching these things. <laughs> Jim's going to wake up in the middle of the night and Karen's going to be in the cat's mouth. Help! Oh my God, that'd be creepy. All right. Oh, I well, you know, we had a cat who, um, oh, about ten years ago now, that would progressively leave bigger and bigger dead things on our porch. I mean, it started with like a little tiny field mouse or something, and it moved up, and there were like squirrels and bunnies and baby raccoons and crap. And then I told Jim, I told Jim, if we ever walk out there and there's a dead deer on the front porch, it's the cat telling us you're next. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, like big old buck on the that would be creepy. <laughs> I should start worrying then, so Yeah, well, that cat's no longer with us. Yeah, well, there you go. I got the last laugh. Well, if you're ready, I have some stuff to to, to share. Um well, we're we gonna talk about the guest first. Guests. Oh, you, we have a guest, really? Yeah. I'm just messing with you. I know we do. <laughs> I like the look on their faces when they do that. All right, so we have, actually, he's an author and paranormal researcher, Stephen Lancaster. We just wrote a uh, book titled Dark Spirits, A Man Terrorized by the Supernatural. Of course, he also was a producer of Monster Vision TV, and there's like a, a whole ton of stuff, but we'll get into that, you know, when we talk to him. That way we don't give it all away right now, but I'm looking forward to talking to this guy. Yes, and it's also just so people stick around, right? Yes, of course. Um, Patrick Keller. I know that guy. The Big Sands podcast has a correspondent report tonight from, it's the Kansas City Paracon. Is that what you said, Cheryl? Yes, that's correct. He mm -hmm. um, did some some segments. He did some interviews right there on site at the Kansas City Paracon last month. And he sent us a few little snippets. Um, you can go to his website, bigsands.com, and find the whole audio there. But uh, later tonight, we're going to play some of the cool snippets of those interviews. Like That's right, and we have coming up at the end of the show, the return, well, it's I mean, it's uh, the second week return, yes, but we have correct. the lightning round, and I have some groovy questions, because you know I like to come up with fun questions. Because you're groovy. Can't wait. Because uh -huh. I'm groovy. You know, I see that Bob is in uh, chat. What? Bob Bob should join us for the lightning round. That's what should happen. Oh, God. That'd Look out, Bob. Look out now. 
Challenge. Oh, Let's okay, do so, it. But, but first, yes. before we call our guest, do you have some news for us? Uh, yeah, I have a few. Uh, I have a few snippets for you. Just when you thought the world couldn't get any weirder, it's time for news of the strange. So yeah, this is uh, titled "Paranormal Activity Is in the Eye of the Beholder." I found this interesting. It was actually on abcnews.go.com/slash/entertainment. Like a legitimate news source. Yeah, Ellen Tumpask. That's how you say her name. All right, so. I'm going to read it and you just tell me what you think when we're done here. All right, so it says, ask a professor why people think paranormal activity really exists. You'll get one answer. Ask a psychic who dehaunts houses. You'll get another. The found footage paranormal activity horror movies, the third installment, a prequel, of course, which is just out. I think there's a fourth one already, are popular not just because people like to be scared. Academics who have researched the field say, but because belief in supernatural forces is deep-rooted in all cultures. Okay, so Carson Menken, professor of sociology at Baylor University in Texas, who co-authored the book Paranormal America, did his research by meeting people across the country that spent their weekends at ghost hunts, psychic fairs, Bigfoot hunts, and UFO uh, researches as well. People are looking for enlightenment, and they're looking for discovery. They are hardcore, committed believers for other people, it's just a cool thing to do. The enthusiasts are not crackpots, he said. They are people who come from all professional walks of life. Paranormal beliefs are, for the most part, substitutes for religious beliefs, says Michael Persinger, professor of neuroscience at University in Ontario, Canada. People have to believe in something, either one or the other. That's the most- not true. What- I know. I don't wait. Wait, I know. That's why I know you're going to say something. The most common paranormal experience, he says, is the feeling of sensed presence, which people may call a ghost, an alien, or a spirit. The reality of those ghosts is uncontestable to Lorraine Warren and her son-in-law, Tony Serpa, uh, sorry, Spira, who run the New England Society of Psychic Research, started by Warren and her late husband, Ed. We don't have to prove to you that ghosts existed, Serpa. Do you believe in God? He created spirits, and there are spirits among us. He and Warren, 84, helped terrify people who believe their house are haunted. People say there's a shadow walking by me, or I hear footsteps and there's no one home. They may hear people talking in another room or behind a wall. They may smell a whiff of perfume or a loved one who is deceased. They quiz the people who contact them to make sure they're not on medication, uh, abusing alcohol or drugs, of course. If they think the callers are legitimate... They will usually suggest having the house blessed by members of the clergy. A lot of the a lot of the big religions have the right of exorcism within their teachings. It often works, he says. If that doesn't help, he and Warren pay a house call. Lorraine is a clairvoyant; she's a psychic too. And as soon as they as, as soon as they come into the house, they would they would know. When I go into a house and there's infestations taking place, Warren says that's what they do. Um, so, anyways. Uh, what they're talking about is basically we either believe the supernatural or we believe in religion. Now, Karen, you can go ahead and sprout. Okay. I, again, remember, I'm recovering from a concussion, so things I, may not come out the same way. That's um, right. But uh, in my head, it all makes sense. So two things. There are people who believe in both. Okay. And there are people who believe in neither. They are called atheists. That is a incredibly narrow viewpoint that 
people must believe in one or the other because everybody needs something to believe, except, of course, the superior scientist who said that probably. And he believes in science. <laughs> well, there you have it. Yeah, I didn't like, I was like, seriously, really? No, I don't really think so. So, um, yeah, And a conk I, on the head with a car door for him. That, whoa, there you go. Conk on the head for the clown. All right, so this one here... Um, you'll like because this is about the clown stuff that's going on. You know, Cheryl sent me some stuff, and what the heck, Tanner and I, I have been talking about this. This is mm -hmm. just creepy. So, and, yeah, and this oh. is a different, and this is a different take on it that I read about. But also, I read that it this uh, also happened in 1981. Like all this stuff happened just a rash like this of happened clown sightings. Yeah, yep, exactly. But so here's how it goes: professional clowns, professional clowns, real professional clowns say mysterious sightings have crippled their business. So this is a different way of looking at it also. It's, it's um, a conspiracy against professional clowns. I know. It's like, you know, well, I know, but... Because nobody I, likes them anyway. You know what? I bet it's the what? mimes. <laughs> <laughs> They're having like a gang-style clown mime war. Oh, the my clowns, God. The clowns honk and the mimes just... It'd be like the, the warriors. Get the mimes on one side and the clowns on the other. Oh, my God. So, anyways, yes, this, everyone who cares about America is probably aware clowns hysteria has taken over everywhere. The big shoe menaces are allegedly lurking in the woods near residences, offering candy and money to children. People are chasing the clowns into the woods with machetes. Yes, I've read about this lately. And leaning hard on the 911 auto dials. At least one apartment complex in the Carolinas has even issued an official anti-clown warning. It's gotten so bad that people are discouraging people. Uh, police are discouraging people even from dressing up as clowns at all. Okay, so just this week, there have been at least six reported clown sightings between Greensboro, High Point, Winston-Salem, and Rural Hall. Whether the reports are real have certainly concerned parents and puzzled law enforcement. It's proving to be a serious situation for professional clowns. So much so, one clown couple has considered giving up their profession altogether. They say they don't have... Um, Many other options. Joseph and Lisa Brown, better known as Jazz and JoJo, have been clowning a major part of their livelihood. We want to make kids laugh and adults laugh and ease worries away for the day or the hour that we're there or two hours that we're there, said Lisa. She's been a professional clown for 14 years. Joseph, a clown school graduate, is in his 25th year. That shows you how much they have put into it and enjoy the careers they have been being Judge of the Clown, said Joseph. For the Foresight County couple, it's upsetting to hear about people impersonating clowns and scaring children. I'm angry because what we've worked so hard for, they're ruining its sadness because I don't understand why they would have to do this. Yeah, but people are calling the mimes for work. Mm -hmm. Tell me. Now, now they say they're scared to go in public in costumes. What would we run into, said Joseph? We would be pulled over by the sheriff or the police. We would be chased down by somebody. Birthday parties, nursing homes, restaurants, the couple have had as many as 10 gigs a week. Since the clown sightings, the number has dropped to zero. The phones are not ringing. We have talked about seriously the two of us. Well, why don't we just give it up? A tough decision to consider knowing that they did it in the first place for the kids. And just to see the smiles on their faces before we leave is an added plus. Joseph and Lisa hope their professions... Decades in the making doesn't have to end this way. It hurts from the heart. So, there you go. Uh, there you I, go. Okay. It's a sad. It's sad. I have, I have two theories. All right. Okay. <laughs> I can't wait to hear these. Well, you heard the first one is the mime conspiracy. Yes, we got the mime. Mimes, the mimes want the jogs. The mimes mm -hmm. are tired of being the most hated, um, painted face people on the planet. <laughs> and so they've um, also... I, sorry, I'm all over the place, but when you That's said okay. that 
people like there's clown warnings and stuff now. Yeah, so I want to know if it's like a tsunami warning, but it's a, ha- a horn that goes beep up beep But my other theory okay, is that maybe some alien race has given up on the black eyed kid things because they thought, oh, humans love children, so they'll respond to children, right? And so then they went back and watched our TV or whatever again, and they thought, oh, well, they love clowns. We can't do the black eyed kids things anymore, so we're going to do the clowns because we want to attract them. And so, so which one? Is it the aliens or the mimes? Here's my theory. And it's actually not my theory because I stole it from Chad. It's Chad's theory. (laughs) I think it's like Bigfoot. I think they're coming from another dimension. Oh. There's a clown dimension. Like killer clowns from outer space. Yeah, but it's another dimension. I think that's where they're coming from. There you go. Well, at first, when you were saying that, I pictured like... Actually, I picture like West Side Story with the mimes and then the oh you know, yeah the clowns. But then, but then if there's the, that they yeah. have to dance silently and the music. Well, I was yeah. gonna say yeah because if they're mimes, it wouldn't be like da 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 da. It'd just be. <laughs> they be they no they wouldn't even be snapping. They'd oh, that's right. There's be no snapping. Be like they'd be miming snapping yeah, or probably they. You know, here's the thing: if if there are clown <laughs> and mime wars, honestly, how are the clowns gonna get into that box? I like the way you just said that. Climb and mime wars. Clowns clown and, and mime clown wars. And mime wars. But no, because oh. the, the mimes are usually locked in the box, so they should be safe. Oh. They, this is what we reverted to on the show, folks. But no, it's really weird because I did read a story just before that, before this one. And I was going to just, you know, read it. But it's like we've already heard all these things. But someone actually was like, chased one of those clowns down with a machete and lopped its fingers off. <gasps> some, yes. Yeah, Wait, what? Kidding. I thought they couldn't I find read, them. I read a story where the, you know, because they were talking about, um, I read a story about someone, you know, these people chasing the clowns down with machetes because they're getting tired of it. And I read where somewhere where they said that one of them lopped a couple fingers off of the machete. I'm not yes. sure if that's true report or not, though. Is well, that... I don't know either. I'm just, okay. I'm not, I'm just saying what I read. I didn't say it was true or anything. I'm, I'm just saying this up. is what. I'll look that up. Look it up. But then, then I went in and found this one. You know what I mean? Um, and it just added the part at the beginning about, you know, the... So um, here's the thing. What do you think, Chuck? Do you, who's, Whose theory do you believe? Or do you have one of your own? I don't know. I think people are just jacking people around. I think you know, what it is is, you know, it's like, it's like anything on, you know, you got social media and it's crazy. So you get one person does it. Oh, it's funny. Let's scare people. Like, you know, they had that clown in the garage. Coffee cl- cat clowns. Although maybe it's just confirmation bias. I, Everybody thinks they're seeing clowns now. Yes, they're imagining. Well, they're hallucinating okay, clowns. Okay. Now, when you say that in 1981, where I read that story in 1981, um, that's what was going on. They said the children were just perpetuating these it stories. It was clown hysteria. Clown hysteria. Yes. I think there's clown, clown cults in the woods. <laughs> Lord. Oh, <laughs> and they're trying to recruit Girl. people. Yeah. Who knows? And they have like... They have cool like jackets too with the clown gang. <laughs> and they all they all drive around in a little tiny car. Yeah. Probably a Prius. Yeah, when they see someone else wearing their colors, which I don't know because all their colors are the same, they get out and start fighting with them over their jackets and stuff. Well, so, so much to think about and digest. Um, um Cheryl just told us that it's break time already. Because wow. we're in the Alrighty. Well, let's do it. All right, so stick around. When we come back, we'll be talking to Stephen Lancaster, author of Dark Spirits. Um, you're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark here on Big Cell Art. 
Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine. And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground Magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions. If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit ParanormalUnderground.net and start exploring the unexplained today. Hey everyone, if you can't get enough of Paranormal Underground, then I've got good news for you. We're on social media. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and I think even on MySpace, and nobody has a MySpace page anymore. So check out Paranormal Underground on your favorite social media site today. Hey, great t-shirt. I've heard of that place. It's really supposed to be haunted. You wear such cool t-shirts. You must have been, what, to every haunted spot in the country? Well, not really. I'm a member of HauntedShirtClub.com. I get a great t-shirt from a different haunted place every month, along with an info card with photos and stories and more. I can hardly wait to open it every month. Wow, I have to check that out. HauntedShirtClub.com, right? Yep, that's it. Nestled in the rolling hills of rural northwestern Illinois, just 45 miles southeast of historic haunted Galena, is Willow Creek Farm. Considered by paranormal investigators and others to be one of the most haunted private residences in the state, the farm is much more. It's not just another ghost story, but an amazing tale of an eternal connection between the living and the dead, where time doesn't exist. Find out about the mystery of the farm and what makes it so unique. Coming October 31st, 2016, to Amazon. Hey everyone, it's Karen Frazier, co-host of Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. Thanks for listening to the show. You've probably read my column in Paranormal Underground Magazine. I write columns about energy healing, metaphysics, and also dream interpretation. But did you know I also am an author of multiple books about metaphysics and the paranormal? You can learn more about the books that I've written on my website, authorkarenfraser.com. That's author, Karen, K-A-R-E-N, Fraser, F-R-A-Z-I-E-R.com. So you're looking for the best in paranormal radio. Well, you just found it right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained. That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well. So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. We are back. You're listening to Mix LR. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark with your hosts, Karen Frazier and me, Chucky G. And now we also have our lovely and wonderful guest for this evening, Mr. Stephen Lancaster. Hi, Stephen. How you doing? Uh, you lost me at lovely, but I'm good. That's okay. Hey, <laughs> should I call you, should I call you Steven? Steve? What do, you, what do you like to be called, sir? Uh, Steven's fine. Steve makes me think of my dad. Okay. Well, uh-huh. well we don't want to do that, so we'll no. just go with Steven. Okay. No. So, so anyway. you know, I have to tell you the lovely thing. Chuck usually introduces himself as the lovely and talented yeah, Chuck. Yeah, I was giving it to the guest. I was trying to share with the guest. It's like that episode of Seinfeld where uh, the guy was calling everything breathtaking. 
where yes. it kind of lost Ooh, its luster. Oh, that's right. I should have said <laughs> yes. the breathtaking Stephen Lancaster. There you go. I like that. I'm using that on the next show. There you go. So, anyways, um, so Stephen, uh, for the listeners who might not know who you are, can you give us a little backstory to? Let's just go back to how you, why you got into the paranormal, and kind of move from there. How's that? All right, I'll try to sound like I'm not uh, acting like myself. Because <laughs> okay. you, know, you know you answer these questions a million times in your life. Um, back yeah. in 1987, I was 10 years old. No, I'm kidding. No, not really. I was 10 years old. But um, in, in Oh, 1980- my God. I was a grown-up in 1987 anyway. Really? Oh, Quiet. yeah. That's quiet. Poor thing. Um, anyways, I, I had an experience when I was 10 years old. I... Slept in bunk beds with my brother. I was on the top bunk. He was on the bottom. Mm-hmm. And uh, long story short, I woke up to something pulling on my ankles that was not there, could not be seen, so to speak. Okay. And uh, this this went on back and forth for about an hour. I'd fall back asleep. It would do it again. Initially, I thought it was my brother. I would lean over the rail. He's fast asleep. You know, because we were pranksters. We were brothers. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't him. There's no way he could have moved that fast. And so I sat up. And eventually, whatever it was, grabbed me around my wrist, just as if a human being would do it. It was that vivid, that real. And uh, it was violent. And I tried to pull back, you know, and as a 10-year-old boy, you're scared to death. But I couldn't scream. I couldn't do anything. I just felt invalid completely. And uh, this went on for what it felt like an eternity to me. Who knows how long it actually was. But uh, eventually, it let go. But I I was... Pulling with such force that when it did, I flew backwards and actually put a hole in the wall with my head. Whoa. And at that point, at that point, I could scream. You know, my energy came back or whatever you want to say. And uh, my parents came into the room and they said, oh, you were just having a nightmare. You know, that that story. Mm -hmm. So for the next 10 years, up until the late 90s, all I did was read. I was the geek in the book in the library. I was the one checking out books on parapsychology, UFOs, cryptozoology, anything that dealt with the occult, just anything that could uh, possibly give me some answers as to why that happened. And in '97, I started to take cases for friends and family because I was back home in in Western Maryland. I, I was kind of the molder of that area, so to speak. Nice. You know, I was just the guy. He's the guy that reads about all that stuff. You know, he he knows all that stuff. So I started taking these cases. And back then, um, it was taboo. It isn't like it is now where everybody jumps at the chance to tell you their ghost story. Um, Back then, you know, hey, don't tell anybody this or don't tell Mrs. Harper this or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know. And uh, so anyways, I started taking them. Ten years after that, I formed a team. And it just snowballed from there in the books and TV and Mm -hmm. more cases and more cases. so all right, so it's, it's, let's go back to when you were a kid and this happened. So before this ha- or yeah, before this happened, had you known about ghosts, spirits, whatever you want to call them, entities? Oh, I know, sure. I mean, I, you know, I grew up in the '80s. I loved Ghostbusters. I loved mm-hmm. you know all the supernatural stuff. I was naturally interested in it to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, up until that point, I, I can't honestly say whether I thought yay or nay at ten years old. Right. You know, because at 10 years old, you're still trying to decide if Santa Claus exists or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or at least I was. You know, right. I didn't find out until about last year the truth, to be honest. Oh, with you. I'm but so sorry. I know. So it sorry. hurt. It but, took me up. Well. But, but, but wait, wait, what but, truth? What? <laughs> don't say it. Don't tell her. No. All right. So anyways. Um, okay. So you, you had known about ghosts, like you said, and stuff. But, I mean, 
I mean, the thought process of a 10-year-old kid, I mean, you know, why, why do you think, all right, so what, what do you think it was? Was the, house, was the house haunted? Had you had activity been there before? I mean, was it just some out of nowhere kind of thing? I mean, would, would there be some kind of connection to something? Well, the that instance was the first time something was noticed. Um, after that, there were other instances, uh, and it seemed to happen in a span of every three years, or at least what was noticed. Um, something had happened to my brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there was one instance where we were outside and he looked up to what was our bedroom and said he saw a man standing there. And now my parents were at work. My dad was working for the government. My mom was at, at the doctor's office. So I naturally go running into the house. You know, I'm the man of the house, so to speak. Yeah, right. And, um, the window shatters, but it, it and I know this is going to sound straight out of a movie, but it shattered from the inside out. And I I get up to the room. There's not a shard of glass in the room. Mm -hmm. Uh, At this point, my brother had caught up. Our neighborhood friend had caught up. He had saw it, too. And, of course, you had to explain this to Dad when he got home. And uh, that just didn't happen. It was us fooling around. We threw a rock. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. You know, we were trying to cover it up with a ghost story. But um, my neighbor who was there, he said, you need to go talk to so-and-so. So we go down the street and we talk to so-and-so and, um, he tells us that there was a death in that house years and years and years ago, a guy had committed suicide in the attic. Okay. Whether or not that was related or not, probably, um, the twist to the whole story as to whether or not it's related is 2009, I think. Okay. You know, we're talking 30 some years later, whatever. Yeah, uh, right. I was living in Myrtle beach, South Carolina at the time. And I had just released my first book. And my folks had come down. It was at Thanksgiving. We were all having dinner. And they're talking the talk. Hey, we're so proud of you. How far you came with all this. And, you know, all that stuff you want to hear from your parents. Mm. And and mom says to me, she says, you know, I, we never told you this when you were a kid. But what happened to you when you were 10 years old, the same thing happened to me when I was a kid. Really? And oh, I, I mean, that, Wouldn't that have made you feel better as a kid it, to have it did. that, though? I well, mean, when you were 10? Know. In retrospect, it's easy to say that, but, it, yeah. but, you know, even just telling you that part of the story now, I'm getting cold chills down my arm because that's exactly what it did when she said it. Mm. It's like, really, that just validated it further because as you get older, you look back on that, oh, maybe I was dreaming, you know, or, or just yeah. whatever, you know, but considering the things I've seen in all of these years and then for her to say that, um, it just further validated it. Yeah, it's crazy. So then, you, so then, so, so we're going to move into 97, 1997, um, where, you, well, sorry, 2007, you formed PIT, okay, Correct. Paranormal Investigation Team. So can you kind of go through some of the cases you did or some of the you know, things that really stand out with, with, the, with the team? The reason, it, it's funny, not a lot of people know this, actually. I, I never really wanted to start a team. I, I really liked working alone um, right. simply because I was the only one held accountable for Mm-hmm. And when I'm in a building, a, a residence or a business, I know I'm the only one in there. Right. So there's no risk contamination. of contamination. Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and a case had come up in Hartsville, South Carolina, that was borderline cryptozoological. And they had contacted me. And, you know, I'd had some experience, but not a lot in that side of the field. Yeah. And I knew a guy who did. Uh, his name was Ryan. And if, if any of you guys have ever seen any of the early episodes of Monster Vision TV, he was in it. Um, tall, lanky, black-haired guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I asked him about it, and I said, hey, why don't you accompany me on this case? And as we worked the case, more cases started coming in, but they were they were bigger. 
you know, like Battleship North Carolina, um, wow. you, you know, just to, to where I needed more people. Like, yeah. Okay, there's no way in the time allotted that the, <laughs> at the t- that the time allotted that the client has given me to yeah. do this that I can really fully research the entire property. So mm. I thought, well, okay, I'll form a team. And it, and initially it was four people, and then it grew to eight, and then it kind of went into branches across a few states, and mm-hmm. um, went on for quite some time. So your methodology on um, investigating, share a little bit of that with us. Well, it depends on how you look at it. I'm an atheist, believe it or not. So that's how I go into it. I go into it without, I don't want to use the word crutch because that tends to offend people. Um, I just go out, go into it without anything hindering me. No belief system, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Correct. Um, When I had the team, I formed the team uh, very methodically. Uh, I had electricians, I had carpenters, I had former law enforcement, former military, I had nurses, people of all religions. Mm -hmm. So I kind of covered the basis. So where I lacked in one area, somebody else picked up the slack and, and, you know, vice versa. Right. So if they, if a client would say, hey, we want to bring a priest in, well, that's not really my forte Mm -hmm. because I don't believe that stuff. Right. But certain members of the team did. So if that makes the client happy, then they would do that. It doesn't it isn't gonna hurt anything. Right. You know? I remember doing a case in Spring Lake, North Carolina, where the client wanted salt uh, put around the entire house. Mm-hmm. To me, that's hogwash, you know. But it's okay, you know, and one of my team members happened to be a Wiccan and they they did what they do and it made the client feel better. Okay. Um, but I go into obviously prove there's nothing there initially i don't say i don't believe people because in most cases um you can believe something and it not really be there you know you can truly believe it you know what i mean right um if if you don't know i mean i the quickest case i ever debunked was within 15 minutes and this guy was convinced there was a ghost in his uh in his business Mm -hmm. and i walked in and he said i'm telling you it's like clockwork as soon as I walk in, within minutes, I hear him walk across the room up above my head. Sure enough, I heard it too. But what it was, was when he would open that door, it would tr- it was hot outside, so it would trigger the AC on the inside to turn on. Well, once the door closed and the AC was brought back up to the temperature, the AC would kick off and all those little flaps in the vent work mm-hmm. would close one by one as the air was declining. Mm-hmm. And it would sound like... Doo- somebody walking across the floor above his head. Wow. So here he had believed there, he was obviously being haunted, but no, it was mm-hmm. just the AC, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so with you, all right. So, so with you having your experience when you were younger, but then saying we're an atheist now, what, what do you, what, what is your thought process on the spirit world or spirits in general? I mean, cause you know that that was real. So, I mean, do you believe everything is debunkable or have you oh, had no, ones no, where no, absolutely okay, I, not uh, ghosts by whatever definition you want to give them do exist. I've seen mm-hmm. them. Um, okay. So have many of the people I, I work with, mm-hmm. uh, to me, it, it's more of, uh, an evolution. Maybe that could be the wrong word or, you know, we have human beings, we have monkeys, we have fish, we have ants, we have mm-hmm. bees. Um, it maybe it's just another level of life, so to speak, for lack of a better word. You know, okay. we all we all have we all are made up of a bioelectrical makeup. Correct. Energy is infinite; it does not die. So when we die, 
that electricity from our bodies goes somewhere. You know, religious sects believe maybe that's your soul and it goes to heaven or hell or, or whatever you believe. Mm -hmm. um, but that energy does something, which means it's still here. Right. Could that be the consciousness of that person? You know, so to me, it's just it's more or less it isn't anything religious. I do use the word spiritual a lot, but it's it's a different definition for me. Mm -hmm. um, it's just another next the next step, the next phase, I guess, so to speak. OK, that's that's a fair that's a fair answer. So with uh, with that said, is you know, because we're looking at ener energy as a whole. So w what what instances really stood out for you that you just could not. You just couldn't explain. You just it was like one of those moments, like when you were a kid. And what really stood out for you in some of your cases? I, w I would say the first one that comes to mind is the Brentwood Wine Bistro, okay. uh, and that's in Little River, South Carolina. Uh, the largest chapter in my first book is on the Brentwood. I spent two and a half years there, and um, that was the first time I had ever physically seen a manifestation. Six foot tall, solid black silhouette of a man walk behind the the bar. Um, uh, the of the second floor of this building, and it, I mean, it took it took my breath away to turn mm -hmm. around and see that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it took the two guys I was working with at the time. It took them forty five minutes to stop me from pacing the floor because okay. to see something like that, you know, again, it's just it's giving me chills just telling you about it. Yeah. Now, since since then, I've seen things much <laughs> better. I guess um, is okay. the word to use. Yeah, but um. There's like I said earlier, there there's no denying there is something. Oh yeah. It's just what is that something? You know, I, I've mm -hmm. I've conducted work where there was something, but it mm -hmm. seemed to kind of be in its own little world. And then I've had cases where whatever it was or is is self aware mm -hmm. and, and was aware about us. So it's it's interesting. It's it's a lot of fun. Well, do you think that um as paranormal investigators then that we jump to a faulty conclusion when we can't explain something or it, we come across these um for lack of a better term presences that have a, appear to have self-awareness and things and so we we make the leap and say well this is a ghost so you think that that's too far of a leap to be making it's <sighs> That's a hard question to answer because nobody knows for sure. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. right. And we, we never will know until we are what we're looking for. Um, <laughs> right. And that's, that's just the best way to put it. You know, I, I, I cringe sometimes because this is an ever, ever evolving um, field. Mm -hmm. This isn't like um, being a history major. Once you learn history, you know it. It's not going to change. You know, history's already happened. That's not going to change. The right. apple hit whoever, you know, but um, this is always changing because technology changes. We're constantly learning things. And I cringe because I, I look back at like things I said in my first book and how I could, I think completely differently now. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, that's in print forever. You know, that's, <laughs> that's immortalized. And then the book, it just came out last month. I said, something different. And I mm -hmm. even make it a point to say that in my books. Like I may say this now, but one day it, that may change. And, oh, and yeah. it has changed many, many, many times. My, my whole theory on all of these things has changed so many times. Mm -hmm. It's just, nobody well, can say for sure. Well, yeah, so I'd be interested to hear the evolution of your theory, where you started and where you are now. Well, I grew up in a very strict military Baptist home. 
I attended Calvary Christian Academy. So I was raised with God, so to speak. Um, initially, I questioned myself, even as a kid, you know, I went to Sunday school, you know, I went to a Christian school, you know, ghosts is what would happen to me. Was that a demon? You know, was that something spiritual? Um, was it an angel? You know, but then I got out of that as I, I grew up and I started reading more and, and you know, other stuff. Now it, it kind of got it's it's to the point now where I'm leaning more towards kind of what I alluded to earlier about this energy thing where your your personality, your memories, that that hard drive that that's in our head goes with that energy. You know, when I don't know how many times I can't even begin to count um, cases that I've worked and, and the cases that I work, they, these aren't a one and done in one night like we see on TV. You know, the, the six right. hour, the six hour gig and, and they tell the client they got it all figured out. Um, you can't be the client in six hours. I'm sorry. You know, so we work these cases for years and there's been cases where at first you think you're dealing with a child. Then all of a sudden, you get something you think you're dealing with a, a middle-aged woman or, or some old guy. You know, it keeps changing. It's like, well, wait a minute, how can this possibly be? Is this like the holy grail of locations? You know, are all these different spirits here? And then I really started to ponder that thought, you know, and I, I, I kind of based it off of a, a cliche um, phrase that people often say, like right before they die, what do they say? Their whole life flashes before their eyes, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that never happened to me. I'll be the first to tell you. But I kind of started thinking about that. What if what we know as the supernatural, as far as ghosts or spirits are concerned, um, we're seeing parts of an individual's life. Like that first time when we thought we were dealing with a child, maybe that was a childhood memory of that entity Uh that they were showing us voluntarily or involuntarily. Who knows how that works? Um, but then the next time we, we maybe something we say prompts them to bring out something at, from when they were an adult, mm-hmm. you know, you, you see what, what I'm getting yeah, at. It's yeah. like, mm-hmm. the, yeah, just, like a recording. We're seeing right. a recording that's exactly. accessible. Yeah. It's like if you took a hard drive and you did stuff from when you were younger and then kind of put more when you got a little bit older and then a little bit older. Now it's just going back and pulling from whatever right. it feels it needs to pull. Whether that be voluntary or involuntary, and that could even, you know, thinking along those lines could even somewhat explain uh, deja vu. You know, that feeling, oh, I got this feeling this has happened before. Well, did I just walk through somebody's energy and that piece of them hit me, connected with something? You know, I mean, I don't know. Uh Uh-huh, yep. So, all right, so we're talking about let's let's talk about evps let's talk about electronic voice phenomena because that's the, the the big thing in you know investigating um my, me being an investigator myself but um what's your take on that i mean we're talking you know that we see that you know you you know we have the belief that it's some kind of uh, conscious energy um so do you believe that we are actually conversing with this conscious energy do you think we're actually you know intelligently being able to connect to them Wow, <clears throat> we could go on about three hours with this one. Uh, cool, yeah, me too. <laughs> it, it, of all, of every element when it comes to research, EVP is the one that has the the biggest potential for contamination. Correct. And, and I think everybody knows why for obvious reasons. You know, mm-hmm. someone's stomach grouse, um, somebody farts or whatever. You know, the creaks. <laughs> you, you're you're you know, the, the car going down out the road outside, yeah, you know, right. yeah, 
the problem I have with because I get the stuff sent to me all the time. Hey, listen to this. I'm yeah. sorry, I wasn't there. I can't exactly. see anything. All I, all, all I can do is listen. Mm-hmm. I, I I need to see the the most convincing EVPs that I've ever listened to were done in such a way where I could see everything. Multi-camera angles. I saw where the recorder was at. I saw where every investigator was at, when they moved, when they didn't move, who was saying what. Um, that's how you really validate one. It's just that there, there's so much that can go wrong. And especially now using all this digital stuff, um, they're very susceptible to outside interference. Mm-hmm. You know, right. 10 years ago, I used nothing, nothing but film and magnetic tape. Right. Um, mainly because that could be validated. You could take film to a mm-hmm. university or whatnot, and they could tell you if it was manipulated or not. Oh, yeah. Well, a digital you know, recording, it's not so easy to do. Right. It, yeah, and, it, and when we're talking about that, we're talking about cell phones, everybody's using cell phones. They're, they're so digital, it's going to be so sharp, it can blow so many things way out of proportion, um, you know, especially if you're going to look at my orbs, and I don't want to get into that, but, right. you know, all this kind of stuff. So it's like, you know, that kind of stuff. But um, really quick, I just want to, there, there's a question from Bob in chat, and I just want to ask this really quick while we're kind of, where we were at just a minute ago. So wants to know what your view of re- is re- of reincarnation is. Do you think an intelligent energy can atta- attach to a new body, or would you relate that to a belief in God? As of this moment, uh, the first thing that um, was kind of what I was getting at uh, with the, the the feeling of deja vu, mm-hmm. um, reincarnation, clairvoyancy, psychic feelings. Um, could it all just be because it's all magnetic? Mm-hmm. You know, when you try to put magnets together, if you have them angled just right, they go together. If you have them angled just wrong, they won't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they fight the polarity. Uh, and I think that the same can be said for any kind of energy. That electricity is out there. So if you walk through it and you have that feeling of deja vu, was that somebody else's thought or some memory in their life? And the same thing could be said for reincarnation, that maybe... Some ba- a baby's born, and when they're two or three years old, they stumble through somebody's energy that mm-hmm. sticks. Mm-hmm. You know, it it just fits like the puzzle. It was the same makeup, the same bioelectrical makeup, and it fits, and they're reincarnated, so to mm-hmm. speak. Right. And I believe that could even go towards um, possession. Mm-hmm. You know, I always describe possession to people. It's like a remote control car. Mm-hmm. You can see the car. The car is an animate object, but I'm controlling it with this remote. I'm controlling it with an outside source. Mm-hmm. You know, possession, you know, most people lean towards the demonic and, and, and all that. But could it just be that energy from somebody else going into this person? Mm-hmm. Then, why would, then why would exorcism work or does it? I, I can't say for sure. I, I've never. Yeah. I had a guy on my team that did that um, mm-hmm. in, prior to coming to my team. Uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've never been a part of one. I've never seen a real one conducted. Um, so I can't, you know, I can't really give an opinion on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if I were just to kind of say off the cuff, I think the people that are being exercised on the surface probably have some really disturbing psychological issues. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're mental patients, so to speak, you know, sure. not, not to be disrespectful, but they and it's sad when you look back through history and you look look back through how crude um, medicine was and and when these things were happening that if you even spoke out of turn or spoke beyond the norm you were a witch or or you were possessed and they would put a hole in your head or they would bloodlet you know or you know and it could just be they had a mental illness 
Right. You know, I mean, come on, we got to look at the mentality of people from then to now. We thought in order to prove a person was a witch, we'd throw them in a body of water, and if they floated, they were a witch. Mm-hmm. So let me get this straight. I would have to drown myself to prove I wasn't a witch. Right. Yes. Yeah, I never this understood was the that. Mentality. This was the mentality <laughs> of people. Look yeah. at the mentality of war. Okay? At first, it was sticks and stones. Then we got the bright idea with shields and swords. Okay? Then we thought it was genius to stand in a straight line with a firearm that only has one round and aim at another straight line of people and fire. This was yeah. the mentality of people. These were people making decisions. Right. And, exactly. you know, 200 years from now, people are going to look at us like idiots. So it's, it's fair <laughs> for me to say that. Well, I hope not, but okay, that's entirely possible. I'm pretty sure they will. Okay. So anyways, um, so, all right, so let's get back to uh, equipment. Let's talk about equipment real quick. We kind of touched on that a little bit when you were talking. So what do you think about the, all the equipment that's out there? And touch on some of them like the K2 EMF meters and all this stuff. What, what do you think about equipment? Because I know how you feel about, you know, old school. Because I, I mean, I was doing stuff in the 80s, so I understand about a recorder and a pencil and a piece of paper. It's what I had. But, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> yes, I had those two. Thank you very much. Um, hey, I, had anyways, a, I had a reel to reel recorder, guys. Yes, I remember those. We had those too. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, what do you think about some of the stuff out there? Do you think any of it is helping, hindering? What do you think? I, I think all of it's good and all of it's bad. It, it's it's how it's implemented. Nice. I, I think you can take anything mm-hmm. and make it a tool. Well, you know, yeah. a, pen, a, a pen and paper will do wonders. Mm-hmm. You know, magnetic letters and Etch-a-Sketch, you know, anything that can, you know, be manipulated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I go back and forth when I answer this question because... I use all the bells and whistles, too. The thermal camera, infrared, all that stuff. K2s, I don't really like to use that much because people jump the gun way too too much with those. Yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, we got something. Uh, But (laughs) where was I going with this? Oh, where I was going. Um, I look at it like this. When a client gets a hold of me, they didn't have a $30,000 thermal camera to see what they saw. Correct. They didn't have any of this equipment to experience what they did. Correct. So their best tool were their eyes, their senses. Mm -hmm. So to me, aside from that, your best tool is just a video camera and one that's decent, you know, that that can record well, HD, low light, whatnot. I do use infrared, like like I say, but again, my client didn't see what they saw under infrared lighting. Right. Exactly. You know, but I, but you have to. It's kind of like a double-edged sword. You have yeah. to cover everything, you know? I was going to say, because you could say, like, that's the same thing. as like, okay, I'm infested, infested with ants. So I can see the ants with my eyes, and I'm going to spray them with my little spray. But if I bring in, like, you know, uh, a regular professional uh, person that's going to come in and use better stuff to get rid of it, it's going to be able to find their nests better, you know? So, I mean, there is some... Uh, uh, plausibility and, and and you know positivity to using the equipment if you correctly use it um to go further to either figure it out or either debunk it or you know or have no answer basically it's either debunking or have no answer so sure and and for me if, if it wasn't for the sake of validating things um for a file for a case file for a client mm-hmm. i would walk into these locations with nothing mm-hmm just to just for my own personal experience because that's yeah. why I do this. Mm-hmm. But it's you know people want to see something concrete, and I'll be the first to tell you that the best piece of evidence in favor of the supernatural I have ever seen came from a thermal camera. 
Mm-hmm. Still to this day, you know, I, I hold that piece of footage like the Holy Grail. And without that camera, I wouldn't have that. So, you know, it's yeah. it's a double-edged right. sword. Right. So, so in chat, Patrick wants to know, investigate with clients or without them? It depends on the situation. If, if the client, because I've done both, um, and typically in those situations, there's a preliminary investigation without them, um, without their interference, without their influence, uh, knowing very little as possible. And if we get nothing or we get something, then we'll bring in the client if, if that's what they want, mm-hmm. and uh, which we've done, and it's worked, and in some cases it didn't. You know, If it involves the client, if the activity is happening with a certain person or this person's being harmed or having things thrown at them, then sure, we're going to bring them into it if that's what they want. Right. You know, so it's just, it's really a, there's no general rule. It's just a uh, case by case basis. And mm-hmm. sometimes it can dam- do more damage than good. Yeah. So l- let's, let's move on to books real quick. Um, true accounts of the paranormal, which is now, I think they cha- changed its true case files of the paranormal investigator, correct? Yes. Okay. Now, wait a minute. I I have to ask this question. How did that book get into the Library of Congress? How did you do that, man? Can you tell me? That is so cool. I read that. I was like, you know, what? It wasn't even. The funny thing is, it wasn't even supposed to be a book. Uh huh. Um, I don't know. You guys um, can't even think of his name now. But um, I I was joining the 21st century. All all of my uh, case files were handwritten. <laughs> and uh, I was joining the 21st century, and I decided to start typing these things into Word. And I started uh, Microsoft Word, and I started with the most productive ones. You, co- you know, you know, of course, the most interesting ones, cases that were still open, so to speak. And and next thing I know, I had like 87,000 words. And I was like, whoa! So a friend of mine, um, who's a, he's an investigator too. You guys probably know who he is, and uh, he's he's an author. He asked to see it. He said, "Let me see what you got." And I sent it to him, and he said. Lancaster, this this is a book. And he said, this is like a book I've never read before. He said, it isn't just straight ghost stories. It isn't just like a straight opinion or this is how it is. Yeah. Um, this is really like your perspective on all of these different investigations. He said, if you tighten this up and actually made it flow, you know, not sound so geek speaky. Um, there's a phrase for you. Uh, it, it could work. So I thought, well, all right, you know what? I'll do it. So I did it. I put it together. I released it myself independently because I didn't think anybody would want something like that. It was such a niche book. And three months after it was released, Llewellyn Worldwide had found it, contacted me and said, is this manuscript still available? Because we want it. I was like, really? She said, we have nothing like this. You know, this, the first book starts with me at 10 years old and the experience I told you Mm -hmm. to my first case to all the way up to 2009 and the most productive cases in between. And uh, they signed me for a three-book deal. It's like, wow. I mean, it was really just a big mistake. It wasn't, I never intended to be an author, I guess. Long story short, it just happened. There you go. So, all right, so now we talk about the new book, Dark Spirits, A Man Terrorized by Supernatural. This was written after your accident or before the accident? Both. Both. So it started before and then was finished after. The accident gave me the ending. Uh, the biggest crutch I have with these books, and luckily my publisher is very lenient because I'm writing nonfiction. You know, they know that 
I, I mean, if they want me to write fiction, I'll write fiction as long as it's advertised as such. Mm-hmm. But right. people don't expect that from me. So I'm at the will of reality. Okay. If I go on 100 cases and only one of them provides a story or provides some substance, mm-hmm. um, I, it becomes a chapter in a book. Well, gotcha. Dark Spirits, initially, um, it was titled Testaments of the Supernatural, mm-hmm. is what I wanted to call it. And uh, it started like four years ago, almost immediately. Well, no, it started longer than that. Jeez, it is 2016. Um, <laughs> God yes, knows. it is. Anyway, uh, for years and years and years. But, you know, I, I hadn't done any cases that were doing anything for me or anything worth telling anybody, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you can only tell a story about a squirrel in an attic more than once and it gets old. <laughs> and uh, they were pressuring me. Well, okay, we'll move the we'll move the date. We'll move the date. We'll move the date. And uh, I had everything up until the end in um, 2014. And I was just stuck. I was like, wow, well, how am I going to close this thing out? I guess I'm just going to have to wait until a case comes along. Well, I had the accident. And that whole experience, and I thought, you know what, that's how I end this book. Because Dark Spirits, I intended to be totally different. Uh, The first book, Paranormal Investigator, was more of the geek speak, more of the ins and outs of a paranormal investigator. EMF this, EMF that, temperature gauge this, you know, yeah, and and all that. It's still interesting to some people, but Mm -hmm. I I wanted to show a more humanistic side Mm -hmm. of of this world. Yes. And that's where Testaments of the Supernatural came in, where what comes home with me after all of this, how this affects my life, um, how my life affects these investigations, um, how it affects the people I work with. All all speaking supernaturally, not, you know, oh, me and the wife got in a fight or whatever. Nothing like that. Just all all the effects from the supernatural. Right. And uh, so I wanted it more humanistic, and I thought that's a perfect way to end it. What caused me to just leave the field and retire was this accident. So that's how I ended the book. And not long, about a, I, I took about a year off, you or so, and then got pulled right back into it. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to stay away, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So Bob has a question in chat. He says, do you work, do you work with psychics to verify clients or team impressions? I have done so twice. Um, I've, never, um, I've never brought one onto the team. Or on the team that I used then. Uh, but I have worked with them twice. One uh, was in 2009. And now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying anything negative about psychics. I'm just telling you about the experience I had. Uh, she had flown in from Seattle, Washington. Or somewhere in Washington. And to, to come do this case that I've worked for years. And she's standing there with us. There's three or four of us around. And she says, oh, I'm sorry, guys. I hate to tell you this, but the spirit has left. She's gone. She's no longer here. And no sooner did she say that, but the most vivid little girl giggle came out of nowhere. All of us jerked our heads in the direction this little girl giggle came from and looked over at the psychic, and she was just white as a ghost, no pun intended, in the face because she was wrong. The girl was laughing at the fact that the psychic had said that she was gone, but she was right there, you know? So that that was a funny experience, more comical experience. Uh, the next experience I had, I was doing this historical location in New Bern, uh, a team that they were, they were kind of starting out. They were wanting advice, wanting help with their equipment, show me how to set up the surveillance. And, uh, they asked me to bring some of the team out and help them. So we did. And they had a psychic on their team and she was more of an interference than anything. 
no matter where you went, she would follow you, walk into a room. If you're trying to do any kind of work, she's speaking, oh, I feel this. Somebody hung themselves here. Somebody fell down the steps here. It just, it was a bad experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not ruling out the phenomena. I just think there are way more self-proclaimed psychics out there than there are real ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't, I, I can't say yay or nay to it. It's just in the experiences that I've had, I, I don't, I did not believe those two women whatsoever. Right. So I want you to tell us a little bit about uh, we're going to go back in time a little bit. But well, actually, I want to I have a question on this, too. But let's just start Monster Vision TV. What was that all about? I mean, tell us tell us about that. Monster Vision wasn't supposed to be anything other than a couple guys showing off a piece of video. (laughs) (laughs) When I when I started the pit. Uh, we took this case called the Industrial Facility, which is written about in, in the first book, and captured some really cool things on film. Okay. And uh, some friends of ours had said, you know what, you should put that on YouTube. You know, people would like to see this. This is cool. And again, I was running tape, you know, film. I'm like, how do I get this into a computer? You know, so I had to like buy this drive for the computer and a firewire and all this stuff, you know, before this was easily accessible. Right, exactly. And watch this video go into the computer live. You know, it isn't like dragging and dropping a file now. It was watching it go live. And I was like, okay, now what do I do? Well, I'll cut it up in Windows Movie Maker. So I do that. And then my buddy says, well, we, we should call this something. You know, and I just blurted out, it's Monster Vision TV. So he's like, oh, okay, let's go with that. So I put it up on, on YouTube. And it, within like two days, it had like 11,000 views. And I'm like, what in the world? So then people kept asking, when's the next one coming out? So I thought to my guys, I said, why don't we do this? Why don't we just film, put up on YouTube investigations from our perspective? You know, not like you see on TV where there's cameras watching the investigators. This would show through the eyes of the investigator where you would only time you'd ever see an investigator is if one of us turned and looked at him with the camera. Okay. You know, so it really kind of put the viewer into the investigation. Yeah, point of view. That's cool. Okay. And uh, so we started that, and it just blew up. And within a year, it had 2 million views on YouTube. Then the next thing I know, Maury Povich wanted one of the, the pieces of footage on his show. So we did that. Really? Then, um, yeah, then, of course, the My Ghost Story thing came twice. And then uh, it was just a bunch of different the news reels and all this other stuff. It just went crazy because... I guess it just ha- it was t- all about timing because this was before every paranormal team and their brother started putting their stuff up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like the first of its kind, away mm-hmm. from network television. Yeah. And, and so, it got, got really popular. And I, is this, I mean, I saw it. Are you still going with it? Is it still? It, as far as the way it was, um, we, did, we did up to six seasons. And that ended in 2013. And then I wanted to change it. You know, I wanted to say, okay, instead of, because literally when you're running eight people, mm-hmm. eight cameras, let's say eight to 10 hours, I have to take all of that footage. <laughs> yeah. Now you do the math, 60 hours, 80 hours, and then go through and then make, and, and for something that isn't scripted, you know, have it be entertaining too. Mm-hmm. So I said, forget this, guys. This is wearing me out, you know. <laughs> I, I say it was great as far as reviewing the evidence because nobody yeah. saw it more than me, but. Right. Um, I said, how about we do this? Why don't we just do a, a great case? We have all these cases we do every year. We pick one that has the great story behind it, great clients, good evidence on our behalf. Mm-hmm. You know, cases we've worked for years and just put out a documentary every year. 
Oh, okay. Gotcha. So, you know, focus just all of it on that. So that's what we decided to do. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, we, we got the visitant. Yes. That, that, okay. So what's tell us tell us about that because that's the is that the documentary you're talking about for this yes, year? Yes, that, that is coming out um, October or later, depending on a distributor I'm working with. Uh, okay. But I can't say anything about that. But um, this was a case we started in 2012 for the mayor of a particular town in North Carolina. Oh. So it involves okay. a politician and his family, okay. his estate, and 700 acres of former Tus- former Tuscarora. Uh, Native American land. So it's rich in history, rich in a great story, and we have four years worth of research. Holy cow. And it is just great. You want to talk about money shots? We've got them. And it took four years to do it. You know, this wasn't a one night gig. And uh, the family, they're just great. You know, mm-hmm. the, the mayor himself is like the best storyteller in the world. He sits there in his rocking chair smoking those cigarettes and he tells you about this and that. And you just get lost in him talking and telling the stories. And then for us to validate everything that him and his daughter and his son have went through, mm-hmm. uh, it is a remarkable story. I mean, it, it's going to, I predict with modesty that it will become a household name. Like Amy DeVille, you know, these other cases that we all talk about to her blue yeah. in the face. This right. is going to be one of those. Wow. Yeah, I saw little cuts of it, like when I was on your the website, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, is there, can you share anything from it? I mean, little tidbit or anything, or are you not allowed to do any well, of that? House, I don't want to spoil it, but. It's a, it's a house of sadness. Um, no no uh, marriage has ever lasted in the house. Every woman has become a uh, extreme alcoholic. Um, the house takes you. Uh, into this land of despair, so to speak. Um, his oldest son, Paul, has killed more people than smallpox. He's a, a former military. He was overseas in the war. Okay. He will not go in this house. Oh, that's the guy I saw that was sitting in the church that was talking. He, um, yes, he would not go in the house. I had to interview him in the church. Uh, <laughs> it, he, he just, it's four, four out of the five children committed suicide in the house. All at different times, all by different methods. Oh, my God. Um, There was an attempted suicide. Then there was another suicide that happened outside on the property. And then another suicide that related to the house that happened in a hotel room away from the property. Wow. So all of this deriving from this house. Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's incredible. And I saw it happen to investigators when we were in there for long, long periods of time. Sadness. Investigators just start crying out of nowhere. Sit down like they're lost their best friend like, what, what's going on with you wow you know there's been uh i was physically touched other investigators were physically touched mm-hmm. um there's a sequence of events that will happen at the end of the documentary that you just it'll never happen again to get something to fall fall in suit like it did and, and the chain of events of things that happened in the images that we caught the video of this thing walking through the house Mm-hmm. Uh, is incredible, and I just I cannot wait more than anything for people just to get up to that part. What do you think? You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You said that's not you can't say too much, but that's October or later of this year or next year. This it's year, ten, ten, oh, okay. it's tentatively um, slated for October thirteenth, but the distributor um, after the screener may change that. So awesome! Could cool. be for well, better, could be for worse. I don't. I know. got the, I got that on my list now. Um, so books, you're working on a new book. Anything mm-hmm. new? Yeah, I'm working what, on two. Two of them. All right. 
I'm working on one to because to, to fill out my contract with Llewellyn, I have to give them a third mm-hmm. in this series, and I'm tentatively titling it "I Came Back Haunted." Uh, okay. You know, come out of retirement, go right back into investigating, that kind of thing. Where I'm at now with it, they'll change the name to some ten word long <laughs> name like they always do, <laughs> like it's a big Floyd album or something. Um, and then I'm working on because see, they want from me anyway. They want books where each chapter is kind of its own story, its own case. Yes. Um, but there are others that I'm working on where the whole book is a specific case. And for some reason, they don't want that. Uh, they, they want things to keep changing throughout the book. So I don't know if I'll stick with them for the fourth one or, or go somewhere else. But I'm working on two at the moment. And it will probably see the third one in this series mm, probably next fall. Okay. So do you are you working with anybody now? I mean, when you go on, are you st- I'm assuming you're still investigating. Are there? Oh, yeah. Are, are, are you... Uh, team oriented again or are you just by yourself or basically when i when i came out of retirement i decided to kind of skip the whole branding thing um yeah there was the pit yeah you were in this team you were in that team basically i just take it uh case by case um and and the other investigators do the same thing If, if they get a case and they feel that they want me on it they'll call me and i'll come out and work it with them um, if I get a case and, and I feel I need three or four people, sure, a lot of them were from my old team, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not really, oh, yeah, the pit's here doing an investigation. It's just everybody's kind of independent at this point. They've all grown, become their own investigators, doing their own cases, and we all still work together. Like the documentary um, is pretty much mo- a lot of the old pit um, because they started that case, you know. Wow. We okay. started that case. So. Um, but they're not titled pit at this point, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Right. So what's, what's for you now? I mean, what, what, what's on the horizon besides the book, of course, and stuff, but I mean, where do you want to go with the paranormal? Where, where do you want to see the, the field go? Or, you know, where do you want to be part of that field? What, what do you want to do with it? Well, right now I, I'm just going to continue writing the books, writing about my experiences um, telling my life story through those books as far as the paranormal is concerned. Um, continuing to work cases. Um, we're, we've got one coming up that could really be good involving a prison. Um, going to try to talk to her tomorrow. And then again, I'm doing a documentary every year. So there's cases that I'm going to pull from from the past and talk to the clients about that. Like, hey, you know, do you want this out there? Um, this is good. Do you want it out there? Yay or nay? You know, and see what that project's going to be. Um, meanwhile, revisiting old cases because a case never ends. We right. we always go back, and and I'm doing some of that in October. I have doing book signings at Barnes and Noble and all that stuff. And uh, one of the things I'm doing for TV is at the Brentwood Wine Bistro. Uh, I was talking about earlier in your show, and uh, of course we'll check it out while we're there. You know. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a lot of repetitiveness and, and new things as well. Well, yeah, that's, that's how you, I mean, investigating, you have to go back over and over and over. That's how you, you know, that's how it works, you know, but do when you, when you're going back to some of these cases now, are you seeing some closure? Are you seeing some where the activity is just gone or is it still kind of perpetuating? It, it depends. There, there have been places that have been completely off the hook, you know, for lack of a better phrase. Uh, and then you go for two or three days or a week at a time and there's absolutely nothing. Um, 
there have been cases where, like the Brentwood, for instance, one of the claims was the people getting locked in the bathroom door upstairs. Okay. For, for a year, we couldn't figure out why that was happening. And after about a year, we figured it out. Uh, it would only happen in the winter months, or I'm sorry, in the summer months, and that's because the wooden door would expand. And it would literally just get stuck. So when they would close to go into the bathroom, they're literally slamming the door to shut it. It's just, it just gets stuck because the wood had expanded due to the humidity, the humidity level. Mm-hmm. So that was debunked. If, if we would have just went in one night, we'd have left there thinking that that door was something supernatural. Mm-hmm. You know, right. Now, obviously, that doesn't rule out everything else in that place. But that was just an example that another reason why you got to keep going back, because things you once thought were <laughs> that, that may change with with repetition. Right. Exactly. So and then yeah yeah and I'm I'm assuming you you know when you're doing all this you are collecting data, oh, yeah. um, you know and all that kind of stuff too. So that's interesting. Um, and is any any new cases that you anything particularly new that you, that's, that you really want to get to or a place that you really want to get to? You know something maybe you haven't done yet or there there is and it's actually an extension um, from Visitant the Johnson family haunting. Uh, because uh, I think I said it earlier, you know, we have the mayor's house. Uh-huh. Then there's also an abandoned church that's involved. And then the 700 acres of former Tuscarora land. Now the beauty of this land is his family owns it. Uh-huh. There's only one way in or out. The, the entire property's um, surrounded by swamp. Um, it's protected, so to speak. I mean, okay. it's nothing to kick around in the dirt and find an arrowhead up there. I'll put it to you that way. Okay. Well, there's, it's believed the more research we've done that the spiritual activity actually derived from this land mm-hmm. and it's attached itself to this family because this house isn't the first place it's happened to them. It happened to them at their house prior to that so bad that they got up and left and left everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything they left with the clothes on their back and that was it. The house wow. is still there and everything of theirs is still there. Even pictures, photo albums, everything. Their house, the mansion now that they're not living in, everything is still in there. Wow. And we believe it all derived from that land. Mm-hmm. So it would, I mean, the documentary would be like Titanic times two if we were to put all this into one. So wow. uh, I've contacted a cryptozoologist, some people who specialize in this kind of thing. And uh, we're going to go back out and basically set up camp on this property and, and do a lot of research out on this land, rough it, so to speak, um, because a lot of their claims have come from out there, too. You know, lights in the trees, lights moving from the trees. Uh, the mayor said, like, fire falling from the sky and then jumping from tree to tree to tree, um, seeing black silhouettes of, of humanoid-type things, um, whether that be extraterrestrial or spiritual, I don't know. Um, but we have to be out there to catch it. Uh, time loss, things like that. So we believe it all came from there to get to the house. We're going to show you the house, show you everything we've got from the house, tell you the story of the house, and then almost go in reverse and spend a lot of time researching the land that we believe is the origin. Wow. It sounds like something I would like to watch. Um, (laughs) So we have come to the part of the show that we like to call Shameless Self-Promotion Corner. I believe you've been through it before, so you know the drill. Um, <laughs> go ahead and let our listeners know where they can find you about Monster TV, about the documentary, the books, all of it. Uh, it's The books can be found anywhere. You should be able to go into any bookstore, Barnes & Noble. If they don't have it, they can get it for you. Um, obviously, online is the easiest way, Amazon. 
Uh, just Google it. Uh, my name's spelled with a PH, not a V. Uh, as far as the websites, just hit Facebook because I have them all tied together where if I post something on my author page, it automatically posts to Monster Visions page. It automatically posts to my Twitter page. It, it all It's all connected. So you can go to Facebook.com slash Monster Vision TV. The first video that's there, it's kind of uh, stuck, whatever they call that on Facebook. Uh, it's right there at the top. Um, that's the eight-minute preview into Visitant. Check that out. Um, you can go to my author page, which is Facebook.com slash author Stephen Lancaster. And Twitter is Twitter slash Wraithright. That's W-R-A-I-T-H-W-R-I-T-E, Wraithright. And again, if you go to one, they all lead to the other. So find one, you'll be good as gold. All right, Stephen, I always enjoy it when you come on the show. I hope you will again. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so especially right around when the documentary is coming out, I think it'd be mm. great if we could take an hour discussing it. What do you think? Yep, I'm all for it. Awesome. All right. Thank you for coming on the show. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Thank yeah, you, thanks, guys. Steven. I had a great time. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Good night. Good night. All right. So, Cheryl, we take a break now, huh? Yeah, let's take a quick break and then we'll come okay. back and we'll introduce um, Patrick Keller's correspondent review from when he visited Kansas City Paracon. All right, stick around. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark here on MixLR. We'll be right back. This is Jack Kenna, paranormal investigator and author with Spirits of New England, writer and correspondent with Paranormal Underground Magazine. Also, starting this Sunday, August 28th, at 10 p.m., you can catch me on Haunted Case Files, which will highlight numerous investigations from our Spirits of New England team, as well as other investigators throughout the Northeast. Find out more at our website at www.spiritsofnewengland.org. Join me at the Big Seance Podcast. I'm Patrick Keller of BigSeance.com, and this is a place for an open discussion on all things paranormal, but specifically topics like ghosts and hauntings, paranormal research, spirit communication, psychics and mediums, and life after death. The candles are already lit, so you might as well come on in and join the Big Seance Podcast. A global secret society what imprisons your overall freedom, dismissed as conspiracy. Mind-controlling technology, dismissed as science fiction. Evolutions in primal energies, ghostly apparitions, UFO and extraterrestrial life forms, dismissed as a fantasy. Three books, written by Maria Anna van Driel, telling you everything what can be known by revealing the truth of the most unbelievable actions governments have made in the last eight decades in mind and behavior control. Hey everyone, this is Winter Balefire. If you share in my love for the macabre and bizarre, please check out my website, winterbalefire.com. There you'll find some of my dark poetry, short stories, and blogs on the paranormal and occult. I'm also active on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the name Winter Balefire. Thanks. Hope to see you guys soon. Hey, are you looking for a new paranormal podcast? 
Check out All Day Paranormal with me, Crystal Vermis. And me, Manny Vega. We come to you every week with the latest in supernatural news and entertainment. That's right, and you can find out more by going to GetSpooked.net. And don't forget to check out our YouTube show by going to GetSpooked.net slash YouTube. My name is Daryl E. Berry Jr., longtime practitioner, researcher, and explorer of things metaphysical, mystical, and cutting edge, and founder and director of Next Density, a research, education, and development effort for personal and thus global progress, transformation, and development. My current and upcoming books include Travel Far, Classes on A Course in Miracles, and Next Density. For my books and other writings, videos, interviews, public talks, and workshops, and to schedule for consultations, classes, and courses, visit DarylEBerryJr.com or NextDensity.org. Next Density. Change yourself. So, you're looking for the best in Paranormal Radio. Well, you just found it. Right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained. That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we'll, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well. So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. We are back. This is Mixel Larga listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark with your hosts, Karen Frazier and me, Chucky G. And now, folks, our correspondent this week is Mr. Patrick Keller from the Big Sands podcast. We're back in August. Evidently, he went to visit Kansas City Paracon and did a little segment there. We're going to play part of that for you right now, but I want to remind you, if you want to hear the full version, you can go to BigSands.com. And, for then, now, we're though, do, and then we're going to yes. do the lightning round with that, Bob. Yeah, well, that's going to be fun. That, I can't wait for that. That's crazy. But okay, so... And, and Jim, of course, too. Mm-hmm. So with his demon voice, which I'll hopefully he'll bring that up. And Bob. Um, and Bob. Yeah, we we said Bob already. Oh. <laughs> it's it Bob and Jim and Bob. There's two Bobs? No, there's only one Bob. One okay. Bob. Let's, okay. let's do Patrick's segment, shall All we? right, let's roll it. Hey there, Paranerds. My name is Patrick Keller, and I host the Big Seance Podcast over at BigSeance.com. I had the opportunity recently to attend the Kansas City Paranormal Conference, also known as KC Paracon. And since I'm a new correspondent for Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark, I figured I'd do some reporting, or at least grab as many of the brief interviews from some of the speakers as I could. So today, I have some of those highlights for you. If you want to hear the full report with more of the interviews, I'll have that episode up very soon at BigSeance.com. The first interview I captured was from a duo known as Two Guys in the Know. So I'm Bert Allen, and my partner in crime is Eric Girl, and together we're Two Guys in the Know, so we do psychic medium readings. Um, so we are all about uh, tapping into information that we provide to you for your highest good. So we talk to angels, we talk to spirit guides, um, we do talk to loved ones that are on the other side, anyone that's out there to provide you with guidance. Um, We think of ourselves kind of as translators, so it's really your information, and we're just translating it and giving it to you. So you kind of take it and do with it as you would like. Um, We're not about convincing anyone that, yep, you have to believe it, yep. So if it's even just entertainment for you, we're about that too. 
So, yeah, we're excited to be here. I asked Eric and Bert if they do any work on the paranormal investigation side of things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, we do house clearings, um, ghosts, all those types of things. So we take a kind of a different angle from it, not so much the scientific. Um, Ours is more the spiritual angle. And so we we will see ghosts, we'll see spirit. Um, And so for us, again, it's about, you know, is it for your highest good? So if having that energy in your house or your your place of business isn't for your highest good, it's bothering you, you know, we certainly work with that energy then to, to move it on, um, move it someplace else. Um, our, our belief is that unless it's paying rent, it doesn't have to be there. Um, but again, if it's not causing you any harm and doesn't bother you, then we just, we just leave things alone. And here's where you can find them. Yeah, you can visit us on our website. It's www.twoguysinthenow.com, and it's the number two. Yeah, we're based out of Minneapolis, but we do a lot of travel work, obviously, and we're excited to be in Kansas City. Awesome. Yeah, thanks. Next up is David Glidden. I asked David what he'd be speaking about for his session at the conference. Well, today, uh, what I'm going to talk about is a, a problem that we have in the paranormal field is everybody's so cookie-cutter, everybody follows everything they see on TV. Well, uh, I'm going to be talking about a few things that I've come to uh, find in my own research that has opened my eyes and made me think about the paranormal in a completely different light. Uh, these are new ways uh, or new ideas that are out there, and uh, basically, I'm going to break down the fourth dimension and how it can correlate with the paranormal or life after death. Uh, also going to talk a little bit about uh, quantum physics and the, the uh, double slit experiment, uh, basically the observer effect. And then I, I've started doing experiments with trains and their correlation with uh, the paranormal. Um, from a long time ago, you know, we'd be out doing an uh, EVP session, and in the background you hear a train going off, and you're like, oh, there's another damn train. Well, we started thinking, well, what if the friction of the train going over the tracks puts out EMF? or some kind of energy, because people subscribe to the thought that water can fuel paranormal activity, but there's no substantial proof to back that up. Nobody's gone and measured that. But with trains, I've actually gone out and measured, and what we found was that the tracks put off EMF. And uh, I've got some videos of us testing it, and also another paranormal team who's tested it, and uh, I'm going to put a challenge out there to anybody that investigates the paranormal to, when you're on an investigation and there is a train, Go get readings after the train has passed. Get a video of it, and they can send it to me. I'm going to collect a database, and uh, that way we have like this this log of all these teams and their findings, and we can put that together and put that out there for a new um, theory for people on their paranormal experiences. I then asked David if he subscribed to the theory that spirits use and manipulate sound to produce their communication specifically EVP, and I love his answer here. It makes me want to kick myself for not coming up with this technique back when I was more active in the paranormal investigation field. Absolutely. Uh, I've got several experiments that I run with my paranormal team. We use uh, cell phones. We, uh, We actually, we have a thing called the 2020 where we take 20 questions and we record them at 20 hertz. It's said when a spirit communicates, it uses a frequency that we don't hear which would be a lower frequency generally or an extremely high frequency. 
so we record these questions at 20 hertz, and we also record it at negative 20 hertz, and we replay it in the uh, investigation. And we leave the room, we leave a recorder in there. You won't pick up on your recorder any of the questions, but sometimes we actually get sounds or responses. Uh, it's, it's not something we've continually gotten evidence on. It's, I would say maybe 20% of the time that we've done it, we've actually gotten something. Uh, but with our cell phone experiment, where we have a, a caller call a cell phone from a different location, and we'll put them on speakerphone, put them in a room all by themselves uh, with a recorder, we'll leave, and they'll do an EVP session on speakerphone. And this way, when we speak, we're speaking in acoustics, and through a cell phone, it's an electronic frequency. So we'll, uh, we'll leave the cell phone in there, they'll do the EVP session, and about 60% of the time, we've actually been able to pick up either sounds within the room, EVPs over the phone, where the uh, person on the phone has heard uh, voices or, or static, or we've actually picked up audio on our recorder from within the room. But uh, we experiment with sound a lot, and we've even got a device that's still in experimental phase. We're still making tweaks and adjustments. We got the schematics from a Thomas Edison design. And uh, basically what, it, what the goal of it is is to transfer energy into an audio frequency that we would be able to hear. So that's something we're still working on, something we're still experimenting with. And, you know, sound is a very important part of the paranormal field because that's a third of your investigation. So here's more about David and where you can find him. Uh, I am the founder of Four State Paranormal. We investigate mainly the uh, four states of Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Kansas. We have traveled without, uh, out of our area. We also have a web show called Haunting History, which you can find on uh, YouTube. And we also have a podcast called Paranormal Frequencies. And the uh, website for that is paranormalfrequencies.podbean.com. <laughs> okay, so I'm sitting here with Frank Bennett, who is at the KC Paracon, and he's getting ready to talk, I think in like less than an hour or something, you're getting ready to speak. And so tell all my listeners what you're here doing, and you've got a book, and what you're going to talk about here. Yeah, my name's Frank J. Bennett. Uh, I am a Bible teacher, and my book is called Encounter with the Aberdeen Wild Man, which is a true story, and it accounts my, uh, my experiences with paranormal beings growing up in uh, Maryland and uh, my subsequent investigation into explaining what I had in, in, encountered and experienced so many uh, years later. And in, the, in my effort to explain the Aberdeen Wild Man what I saw, I likened it to the only thing in nature which I think compares, and that is the Sasquatch. And in doing so, I probably reviewed between 1,000 1,500 individual Sasquatch encounters and sightings looking for commonalities and characteristics, and I found many. Uh, I also uh, investigated the beliefs of the Native American Indians who had the longest history with the Sasquatch. They are the best source to go to to understand the Sasquatch. And uh, I made uh, quite a few uh, revelations and renderings about them in the book. But uh, in the course of investigating the Sasquatch, uh, I invariably ended up having to uh, investigate the paranormal as well because I found characteristics like and in common one with the other. And in the uh, efforts to investigate and explain the paranormal, I also found characteristics in common with UFOs. And when I got deeper and deeper into explain, uh, you know, in, uh, watching individual video clips and reading uh, how individual encounters go down, uh, I found characteristics in common 
once again with the Sasquatch. And so it closes this big loop with all three of them. All of them share characteristics in common. And that is suspicious to me because uh, Sasquatch is supposed to be a, a individual cryptological creature, a mammal unlikened with uh, spiritual or paranormal abilities. But it turns up time and time again in more than, uh, more than uh, 75, 80% of the cases I looked at. So uh, you said your website again. What's the name of your book, too? Uh, the book is called Encounter with the Aberdeen Wild Man, A True Story. And uh, the website is www.biblebybennett.net. Awesome. <laughs> Good luck with your speaking. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm hoping my mouth works today. So there you have it. Reporting from KC Paracon, I'm Patrick Keller. We are back. MixLR, Paranormal on Radio, in the dark. We were just listening to Mr. Patrick Keller from the Big Sands Podcast in Kansas City at the Paracon. And it was back in August. Again, if you want to hear the full, the full thing, just go to bigsands.com. So, I believe it is... Uh, is it time it's for something time else? It's time for the lightning round. <laughs> da, 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 da. I know. And so, we have, this week, joining us on the lightning round, we have um, sometimes sit-in co-host and long-time listener, first-time caller. No, not that part. Um, <laughs> Bob Fountain. And then, also, Jim is home this evening, so he likes a good lightning round himself. Oh, I have prepared yeah. six questions for oh, you all. Are we, are we ready? Yeah, we're yes. ready. All right, here we go. NBC uh, News reports that Russian scientists at an Arctic weather station have been trapped for weeks by polar bears. They're unable to go outside. Since it's illegal to kill the polar bears, the scientists can only attempt to scare them away with flares or rubber bullets, both of which they're out. They don't have any. So here's what I want to know. If we were all in the same place and we were trapped by polar bears and running out of food, who would you eat first, Chuck? Who would I eat first? Yes, out of us. I don't know. I think you look pretty delicious there. Oh, I'm tasty. All I know, right. You already had the conch on the head, so, you know. There you go. Cheryl, it. who would you eat first? Uh, how do I even <laughs> answer that? Just go. <laughs> do it. You're hungry. We're trapped. All right. All right. Chuck. Chuck's the tallest. Oh, oh yeah. Thank He's you. got to be on those phones. Bob, who do you eat first? I'm going for the fattest because that may, if you can live off him for a few days, you might get saved before you have to eat the next one. So which one of us is that, Bob? <laughs> Be careful, yeah. Bob. Be careful. Uh, I'll say Chuck because. Good answer. Yeah, all right. <laughs> fat? Got, what the he's, got, he's got a lot of good meat on him. There you go, Jim. <laughs> I'm just going to put a white fur coat on Chuck and send him outside. <laughs> Draw him oh. off. Chuck bashing tonight, folks. Oh well, Chuck. I well, would also. Hair. I would also eat you first. So there you go. <laughs> it's the I'm, white hair, Chuck. At least I'm tasty. The first answer was me, so I was worried I was a goner. No. All right, next one. According to Wired UK, Jeff Bezos's company Blue Origin is making a giant space rocket. Don't cheat, Jim. Called the New Glenn. It's named after astronaut John Glenn. So if you were going to build a giant space rocket, what would you call it, Cheryl? A giant space rocket? Yes. Wow, that sounds exciting. Um, what would you name it? I'd name it Zippy. Zippy, the giant space rocket. Yeah. Jim, what would you name your giant space rocket? Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> Ding! 
sure I was going to have to beep that. You guys are making my editing job of the podcast very hard. Um, all right. And I bleeped myself. Um, Bob, what would you name your giant space rocket? Blast off Bob. Blast off Bob. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Uh, Jeff, what would you name your giant space rocket? I would name it Shoot the Load. Oh, that's that's actually what I was kind of along the lines of what I was going to say about Blast Off Bob. So there you go. Um, All right. Uh, Question number three. You guys are probably aware that your taste buds can taste sweet, sour, bitter, and salty, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And some people are also aware that a few years ago, scientists also identified the flavor umami which is a savory, it's a deep savoriness. However, now Telegraph is reporting that scientists have also discovered a sixth distinct taste, which is starchy. Keeping it clean, gentlemen, and Cheryl, if you could discover a seventh taste, what would it be? Bob, we're starting with you. That's a bad move. Monica Lewinsky already described it. Dead air. Did we lose Bob? (laughs) Yes, we heard him. I couldn't. I couldn't begin to tell you. <laughs> so you—that's the flavor—is Monica Lewinsky. <laughs> no. Well, there you go. I, I called Bill. Bill. All right. What flavor would you like to discover, Jim? Kardashian by Calvin Klein. Oh, Cheryl. What flavor would you like to discover? Peanut butter cups. Oh, that that should I cheated. be a classic I cheated. Pat was Patrick's idea in chat. Oh, okay. See, Patrick. Okay, so Chuck, I believe you have the last word on this. I, I would say chocolicious. Chocolicious. All right. This is another one that I'm going to have to remind you that Cheryl will bleep you. Um, Huffington Post reports that skateboarder Kyle Wester has set a new world record for speed on the skateboard. He went 80.74 miles per hour. Wow. If you managed to achieve a speed of 80.74 miles per hour or faster on a skateboard, what words do you think you would be screaming, Jim? Charge the flux capacitor. (laughs) Cheryl. I I can't make that clean. <laughs> I mean, it would be oh shit. I mean, of course. Yeah. Uh, Bob. Uh, hey y'all, watch this. <laughs> watch this. Hold a beer. Oh, and Chuck. I don't know if I was going eight miles an hour. I'd probably just go, Mother of God. Yeah, right. please save me. You would be praying. <laughs> yes, yes. I'd be praying. All yes, right. This also comes for from Telegraph. And according to a news report from Telegraph, there is a twenty-year-old woman in Florida. She has a tongue that is so long she can lick her own eyeball. Oh, God. God. What do you think the most difficult word would be to speak if you had a tongue that was that long? Uh, who hasn't gone first in a while? Uh, Cheryl? No, Chuck, let's have you Chuck. first. God. Oh, my Lord. I don't know. Lick me? Okay. Um, Cheryl. Paradelia. Paradili, that would be hard to say. I can't even hardly say that now. Bob? My mind will I'll get bleep no matter what I say, so I can't, yeah, I know. I can't answer bleep. that one. Do it, Bob. Do it. <laughs> no, I ain't going to do it. 
and Jim. <laughs> guys, sorry seems to be the hardest sorry. word. Mm-hmm. As All in, right. sorry, I'm straight. Nice, you sang it too. I like that. All right, last month, this is the last question, everyone. Okay. Make, it, make your answer a good one. Last month, the New York Daily News shared a video of a man bathing in 1,250 bottles of hot sauce. He oh. took a bath in the hot sauce because it was about to expire. If you had 1,250 bottles of something that was about to expire, what would it be, and would you bathe in it, Jim? I'd go for 1,250 bottles of beer. Beer. Would you bathe in it? Sure. All right, Bob. I'd go to Bob. work. What? What? <laughs> Rum, would oh, you bathe in it? Oh, absolutely, with a straw. <laughs> <laughs> but would you make bubbles to make a hot? Never mind, Chuck. Uh, bottles. I don't. I don't know. You know. I. I. I was gonna say beer too, but you know, he, he, Jim already said that. Oh, so. you better be original. Oh my God. Okay. Well, I guess it would be barbecue sauce. Ah, uh, and would you bathe in it? Oh hell yeah. All right, and hell Cheryl, yeah. you have the last word. Um, I'd say since I have a, a snobby husband over here um, that drinks <laughs> 5,000 bottles of S. Pellegrino every day, we probably have a lot of that that will expire. I guess that would be kind of funny to bathe in. Sure, it would be. Um, it might feel good on certain Bubbly? parts. Bubbly? Yeah. Yes, Bubbly? it might be a little tickly. So you would bathe in it then. Would you bathe it? Never mind. I don't want to know. I don't want that in my head. Um, all right. And that is how we do the lightning round, everybody. Bob and Jim, thank you. I'd like to thank Bourbon for making all this possible. That's right. <laughs> so, so all now right. I, and with now that I understand. Said, I'm never going to get a lightning round again. Uh, you can do a lightning round again. Lightning round is fun. Yeah, we need to get more people in chat so we can get some of them. It's well, we're working on it. We're trying to. If you would like to participate in our lightning round, listeners, email editor at paranormalunderground.net. We would love to have you. That way, we don't have to ha- keep having Jim come on because I, I actually spend the whole time chewing on my nails, worried about, you know, what dirty thing he's. He's kept it clean pretty much for two weeks. So proud of you. Oh, yeah. And my brother, very well. my brother just said bunch of old pervs. That's what he just said. Hardest thing I've ever done. Well, then you need to come on, Tom, so you could do the lightning yeah, round. That's right. All yeah, right. Tom. With five minutes left, um, hang up on Bob. Jim can leave, and let's do our promos. What do you say? Yep. All right, so what do we have coming up on the big shoe next week? All right, Cheryl? next week, September 22nd, we will be speaking with T. Ricks, and uh, she is the director of the upcoming film called Anguished, and it's based on the infamous and haunted painting called The Anguished Man, and we've actually covered The Anguished Man painting on a cover of our magazine, Paranormal Underground Magazine, a few years back. It's a fascinating story. Well, it's really terrifying, actually, of this this haunted painting and the incidents that go on around it. And so I guess they are oh. are going to do a film about it. So we're going to talk to her next week. Sounds nice. fabulous and slightly fancy. Very good. Um, is there anything else we need to promo? Okay, end of September, September 29th, we will be talking to Rich Newman, author of Haunted Bridges, mm-hmm. over 300 bridges, bridges. Excuse me, let me start over. Over 300 of America's previous right, crossings. Cr- Oh, wow, Classics. cool. I'm sorry. We were talking was... about America's Most Haunted Bridges. Yeah, Creepiest Bridges. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. I'm excited about it. And we have a killer October. I mean, I'm just oh. like, wow. As in, ee, 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 or super Yeah. Cool. We super like a fantastic. Special? Okay, let me just, real quick. I'm not going to go yes. over dates and stuff, but we, we will be having Stanton Friedman and Kathleen Martin. Nice. <laughs> oh, Look them it. up if you don't know them. Linda Godfrey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
author of Monsters Among Us, Nick Groff and Katrina Weedman from Paranormal <gasps> Lockdown that you've seen on oh my God. America. Oh my God, I get to talk to Nick Groff. Are you kidding me? Uh-huh. No, no, I no. Oh, you haven't talked to him before? I just, he's great. I just let myself, sorry. Oh, he's great. I love Nick. He's anyway, I like him. He's cool. I want to talk more. to that guy. We've got more good stuff coming oh, up. Oh, yeah. I've got my buddy coming in November, too. Chris Fleming. Chris Fleming will be on Bam. in November. Excited yes. to talk to Chris. Is he? Is he? Does he call himself a medium? Or I'm not quite sure. If, I mean, um, I don't think he calls yeah, himself a psychic. Yeah, but he's a medium. Yeah, a medium. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He lives there in Schaumburg. I've talked to him. Lots. He's a nice guy. He's really cool. We yeah. have a big October coming up. That is exciting, folks. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Well, that's All it. Right. That's it. Okay. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening to Paranormal Underground in the yeah. Dark. LR will be back next week, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, other times in the flyover states. You guys. Have a great week. Yes. You too. See you next week. Good night. If you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark, email us at editor at paranormalunderground.net. And until next week, remember this. If something looks out of place or doesn't feel quite right, it could just be something paranormal.